everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the 12 Questions Podcast here on the Teardown Feed. My name is Jeff Buck, and I'm the host for these interviews. And of course, we mix it up all across the racing world with these interviews. And so this week, heading into the Indy 500, we have Joseph Newgarden of Team Penske. Newgarden is, of course, a two-time IndyCar Series champion, but is still looking for his first Indy 500 win. Maybe it will come this week. never know. And uh, I've enjoyed talking to him a few times before on the 12 questions. Always a great interview. And so very happy to be joined by him again this time. So let's jump right into it. All right, everybody. I'm here with Joseph Newgarden. And Joseph, the first question is, when you meet someone who doesn't know who you are, do you ever lie about what you do for a living? I used to. Um, I, I used to do that all the time. I would tell someone I was a, um, I don't even remember what I would tell people. I would have all sorts of uh, crazy lies of what I did, but I used to be really, I, I found it awkward to tell people I was a race car driver because it's such a, it's such a strange profession to tell people about. Not that it's not cool, but it's, it's just so odd that I, I don't think a lot of people either believe you or relate to it right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I always, I always came up with something else. Um, I also didn't want to all the, I, I didn't always want to dive into what that was, you know, cause there's a lot of explaining to do when you tell someone you're a race car driver. It's not just like, Hey, you know, I'm a CPA. And they're like, <laughs> okay, cool. I don't need to know anything else about that. But when you say you're a race car driver, there's a million questions that are going to come at you. Um, so no, now, now I just embrace it though. I just tell people what I do. Um, cause it's the coolest job in the world. Oh, okay. Um, which current driver have you known the longest? Probably, probably Connor Daly. Hmm. Uh, just because he grew up at the same go-kart track that I did when I was younger. I, I raced at Newcastle Motorsports Park, which is just outside of Indianapolis. It was the closest place from Nashville, Tennessee, where we could go competitive go-kart racing uh, at the time in 2004. And Connor was there as well. And so we grew up racing karts. Um, and now we're both in IndyCar. So he's probably the, yeah, he's the person I've known the longest. Wow. Okay. Can you describe to us what it feels like to crash in a race car? Uh, well, some, some are very good crashes. Some are bad. Uh, what I mean by that is that some of these wrecks, you don't even feel them. Uh, it, the, the cars nowadays are so, I mean, they're so well built and designed that, the absorption of the crash and the energy disbursement uh, with the paneling on the car and the way it's built. Sometimes you have these perfect hits where, you know, you're in it and you don't even feel it. Uh, and then sometimes it, it hurts really bad. You feel every bit of energy that came through the race car. Um, but everything happens in slow motion when you wreck the Indy car. It could, you know, it, it, the entire wreck could take five seconds and it feels like you're in it for probably five minutes. So wow. it's like a, it's just a slow motion roller coaster almost, if you will. Wow. Wow. It sounds intense. Um, do you have any new habits or lifestyle changes that you've made lately that you're particularly proud of? Man, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. You know, I've got better in all areas. I find like I'm much better at keeping tidy around the house. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's where you're going with this question, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's something new that I'm, that I'm proud of. My work ethic gets better every year, I would say. I'm proud of that. How did you get to the point where, you know, you know, like, like for instance, I, I saw a tweet in the off season, 
you know, Jimmy Johnson was had some sort of weight machine, which I don't even know what it was. And he's like, I hate this thing. And you're like, I love that thing. You replied to him. Um, yeah. How did you get to the point where you love the working out? Like you, you don't have to have new habits lately because you already have good habits. You know what I mean? Like you had to make a lifestyle change at some point where you decided, you know what? I, I, I'm just going to do this. You know, how, how did you reach that? Well, I love training because it keeps my competitive edge in the off season. You know, so this machine that you're talking about, is called skier. Um, it's by concept two, which is a company that originally they started making these rowing machines for competitive rowers. And then like all the collegiate athletes, Olympic athletes, they started using these rowing machines as like basically a gauge on all these rowers throughout the world. And you know, the performance that you put up on these machines kind of, you know, gives insight to how good of a rower you are in real life. Um, and so, uh, yeah, long story short, I, when, when we're not racing during the year, I've got to be doing something to stay competitive. So, I, you know, I started rowing and then they came out with skier, which is, you know, a skiing version of that. And I, I could be competitive with myself and continue to push. And, you know, um, I, would, I would do time trials and I would, I would look at rankings online and try and, like, understand – you know, where's my fitness at or where's my performance at relative to the world, basically, you know, and it's all accounted for regarding, you know, uh, and it's relative to your body weight so that you can, you know, kind of be fair about it with, with different types of athletes throughout the world. Um, but really it's just a competitive thing for me. Like I, if I'm not racing, I've got to be doing something competitive and training for me has become a competitive outlet to, to keep that spark in my life. Okay. That makes sense. Um, what, if anything makes you laugh during a race? Um, well, it could be anything. There's, it could be anything. It could be something really funny that happened, uh, like in a, in a racing situation. Maybe there's, you know, two guys fighting in front of you and you just let them basically take each other out. Nothing bad <laughs> happens to them. I'm not going to laugh if something bad happened, but you know, if yeah. they do something silly and you know, they both spin out in front of you, um, that would make me laugh, you know, cause it's basically three positions that I didn't have to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's my favorite is when someone messes up in front of you and it just makes it easy. Okay. <laughs> um, what is a quality or skill you envy in another driver? Well, I definitely envy the, uh, work ethic side of a lot of guys. You know, I think someone like Jimmy is a great example you know, who's put in and right now he's, you know, going through a good example of it by, you know, having to put a tremendous amount of work into IndyCar and understand what it takes to be, you know, skillful at this specific type of racing. You know, he's not done this ever in his life. And, you know, he's certainly not getting a head start on it. You know, he's, he's at the tail end of his career and he's just trying to learn this new craft. But you can see the amount of work that he's putting into it. And, and he's very serious about, you know, becoming competitive at it and learning every process and, and not leaving anything you know, left on the table. And I, I love that with, when I see that from other drivers, I, I know that they're committed and you can generally see that from the guys that are really successful, that they have a very strong work ethic about them. Um, you know, that they, you know, they're true professionals. They work with the team, they push the team and they push themselves and they, and they don't leave anything, you know, left on the table. And I, and I love that. So I admire that about guys like Jimmy. I think Scott Dixon's another great example of that. Really, really any, you know, strong champions within a sport, I think have that quality. Okay. So this next question is a wild card question. Um, I'm just mixing it up for each guy. And I was watching a 
you, you've done so many of these videos lately and, and on your YouTube channel. One of them was answering questions from a, a Reddit AMA. And I can't remember what the question was, but your answer was basically that, you know, you feel like the depth and the talent in IndyCar is absolutely as equal to um, F1. And, you know, I that kind of, you know, opened my eyes because, you know, you, you get sort of conditioned to be like, you know, F1, best drivers in the world, best drivers in the world. What, I guess, why do you think that IndyCar doesn't get the same level of respect as as F1 if, if the field is that talented? Yeah, I think it's a brand thing to start with. You know, F1 has built this brand up where they have that image. You know, you said you, you think of Formula One and you think automatically the best drivers in the world. And that's just brand association, right? Um, it's not necessarily rooted in in true facts or statistics. It's, it's, it's just the way you think of F1. And it's a little bit of a shame, to be honest with you, because I think that the best open wheel racing product on the planet, without a doubt right now, and I'm not saying this just because I'm part of it, but I think it's IndyCar. I really do. You know, and, and I think most, a lot of kids that want to go open wheel racing dream of racing in Formula One because of the image that it conveys. Exactly what you just talked about. Fastest cars in the world, best drivers in the world, best racing championship in the world. And you know, unfortunately, IndyCar has gotten away from that a little bit. And I, I, the good thing is, I think we're building that back. I really mm-hmm. do. I feel positive that we're building back the, the brand image of IndyCar and that, look, this is one of the most competitive uh, top-end racing products in the world. It's it's certainly the most parity that you're going to find, I think, in any motorsports product right now. You can basically get in any race car on the grid and have an opportunity to win the race. And I, I don't know any other championship in the world where you can say that. You know, a guy like Ramon Grosjean that, that comes in, um, you would say, oh, Dale Coyne Racing, they're they're one of the least funded teams on the grid. Probably not the, the car you want to be in. But really, anyone that gets in that car has an opportunity to win. And and, and Ramon sh- showed that last weekend. And his teammate was not far behind him. He qualified in the top 10, too. So, um, yeah, I think Formula One has this image about them. They have this this brand that, that you know, tells people they have the best drivers in the world. And I don't think that's the case. I think the, the the talent level amongst the top guys, both in IndyCar and Formula One, are identical, in my opinion. Absolutely identical. And I would actually argue the depth of talent is higher in IndyCar than it is in Formula One when you look at the complete field. Um, and you can go through numerous examples of that. You know, it would, we could have a very long discussion of you know, why do you have that hypothesis or feeling. Uh, mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, the more that I've been an open wheel driver, the more I almost don't want to go to Formula One. Hmm. Why would you, why would you want to go to Formula One? You know, the only benefit of racing Formula One is saying, okay, I drove probably the most, well, definitely I drove the most advanced open wheel car on the planet. It is the most advanced car. No doubt. Is it a driver's championship? Is it a championship that you go into saying, look, I can be a warrior. I can go in and make a difference as an athlete and my athleticism and my abilities uh, if they're good enough, can put me to the top of the mound. And in Formula One, absolutely zero chance at being able to do that. If you're not in the best car, you are not going to win the championship. You're not going to compete for it. In IndyCar, right. you do not have to be in the best car to compete for the championship. It is a driver's championship. So nowadays, I kind of look at it and say, well, why would you want to go to Formula One? IndyCar is really where it's at. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. You make some really, really compelling points there. Um, that's interesting. So um, I've been asking each driver uh, how this has become a remote work world. So if you're allowed to relocate to a different state than where your team shop was, would you want to move? But 
you've already checked that one off the list. Uh, you moved to Nashville a couple years ago. So my question for you is how have you been able to make that work when a lot of guys feel like they've got to be, you know, wherever the shop is? Yeah, it's been great for me. I did that two years ago, moved back to Nashville where I'm from originally. Um, you know, my wife love it there. It's definitely been better for us than living in Charlotte just because we have a lot more, you know, family close by a lot more resources personally. Um, it's worked out fantastic. You know, it's Nashville is a very quick flight to, to Charlotte. It's about 50 minutes in the air. Um, we travel so much on a normal schedule, you know, before COVID times, uh, you know, I was gone all the time. I was, you know, taking a hundred, 110 flights a year. So, you know, I was, I was on the road all the time. It, well, it didn't really make a difference that I was either in Charlotte or Nashville. I was at mm-hmm. the shop just as much. Um, so I think it's very possible. I, it took me many years before I ever did that. So up until 2019, I had always been very close to the race shop because I believed the same thing. I thought for my development, um, as a, as a driver, I needed to be as close and as accessible to the team as possible and vice versa that you know, they had access to me. But, you know, the, I think the older that you get in the sport, the, the, you know, the more well-rounded you are, I think the more possible it is to, you know, is to make that move where you can be more remote and you can achieve the same result and the same level of performance by, you know, being in a, in a different place. Okay. Uh, what is an embarrassing mistake you've made on the track that you're comfortable sharing with us now? Well, did anyone see the first race at, uh, Barber this year? In the <laughs> car? Um, I, I happen to. Yeah. I'm probably embarrassed by that one. You know, it happens, you know, every now, every now and then you have, uh, some of these mistakes are really funny though. You know, most, most of the time when I make a mistake and I'm normally good for one or two every year, uh, it's just in my nature. I always, uh, overextend myself every now and then. Um, I knew I was kind of asking for it after the fact. I'm like, ooh, you know, I messed that up, but I probably should have seen that coming. I kind of knew that was going to happen. This one at Barber, I I honestly was not asking for it. I just, it just happened, you know, and, and, and I, I didn't really foresee it happening. I didn't feel like I was over pushing or, or trying to make that mistake. Um, it's just one of those things, you know, it happens. And it's more embarrassing when you affect other cars. You know, it's one thing if you, you have a, you have a mistake or you have a wreck and it's just your car. But when, mm-hmm. when you have one at the start of the race and it affects, you know, three or four other people that were kind of innocent bystanders, then it's, it's normally a tough pill to swallow. So that was not a fun one, but Hey, this is racing, you know, every now and then you're going to have one of those. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if someone were to hand you an envelope and inside of this envelope was the date of your final career win, would you want to open it? No, probably not. I, would, Why not? I, would, I don't know. I don't think I'd be ready to open it. You know, I'd probably, yeah. I, from a, from a field standpoint, I just want to be ready to open it. Okay. You know, I'd probably, I'd probably sit on it and, and wait until the time was right. Okay. Have you achieved your childhood dream? Oh, definitely. <laughs> Hands down. I've had, you know, a, a, an incredible, I mean, opportunity in life i've just been given such great opportunities and, and tried to relish them you know you i mean i look at it sometimes and i go this is crazy it's absolutely crazy when i talk to people about it i don't know how it worked out <laughs> but i'm one of those lucky people where i was you know i was in the right place and the timing was good and you know i capitalized on the timing and i somehow became a professional race car driver that's it's nuts there's just not many people that that ever get to say that you know relatively speaking so yeah 100 percent. 
it's awesome. I hundred percent got to live out my childhood dream. That's amazing. That's great. So, um, each week I ask a driver to give me a question for the next interview. And the last one I did was with Brandon Brown, uh, from the Xfinity series. And he wanted to know, would you still be in motorsports if you weren't able to do it as a driver? Would you still try to find a way and be part of the team that you're on in some way, shape or form if you were no longer allowed to drive? Hard to say. I think my, my heart says, yes, you know, I'd, I'd probably want to do something within this space. Um, but my brain kind of tells me I probably wouldn't have, you know, I, I think if I, if I didn't, you know, if I wasn't able to make it professionally as a driver, I think I probably would have just cut my ties with it because it would have been painful to you know, not be around and, uh, you know, in a driver's seat. You know, I think when you, when you care so much about something then I'd almost have to remove myself, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd probably have to remove myself from the situation. I think it would be, too difficult to be around uh sounds a little cheesy but it's kind of how i feel yeah no no that makes sense to me um it's you know just like a like a breakup kind of kind of deal you know yeah um so i I believe the next interview is going to be with uh christopher bell over back on the nascar side uh do you have a question i might be able to ask him um yeah who's the best who do you think would be the best dirt racer without a dirt racing background NASCAR. Ooh. Okay. So it's like somebody's just got to jump into dirt. They don't have the Larson bell type background, but who can do it? Yeah, exactly. With, with that, you know, obviously a lot of those guys come from, uh, you know, they come from like pavement, uh, racing, but the, any of the guys like, you know, uh, sprint cars and all that, but of, of the guys that have no dirt racing background, who, who do you think would be the best just to have to jump in right away? Okay, cool. Well, man, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate all your time. This is great. Cool. Absolutely, Jeff. Yeah, enjoy these. All right, everybody, there you have it. Joseph Newgarden on the 12 questions. Really enjoy speaking to him. And I'll tell you what, that answer about the IndyCar talent level versus F1 talent level really got me thinking. Might get some people talking as well. And, uh, I mean, I, I think he has an interesting point there, and I'm definitely not dismissing that at all. So um, it'd be interesting to see what people will say about that or how people react to that. Um, you know, just definitely some something to chew on there. And if it really is the case, IndyCar sort of vastly underrated in the um, international motorsport scene. You know what I mean? So uh, anyway, uh, heading to the Indy 500 this week. So I'm excited to do that. And our... Uh, post-race podcast with Jordan Bianchi will be split up this week. So I'll be talking to somebody live in Indy for uh, half of the podcast. And then Jordan will be at Charlotte for the Coca-Cola 600 talking to somebody there. And we will do two halves and stitch them together. And that will be the post-race podcast on the teardown for this week. So appreciate you as always for listening. And I will talk to you next time on the 12 questions podcast.